Welcome to Arnie Geddon. I'm Cam Smith. And I'm Tony G. And, emerging from the jungle, special guest Mark Carter. Hello. Now, Tony, this week we're talking about 1987's Predator, directed by John McTiernan. Tony, how special is this film to you? This film, Cameron, is uh, very special to me. It's probably my favorite Schwarzenegger film. Uh, I think it's probably my favorite film of all time that it... Uh, it's a film I've watched dozens and dozens of times, and uh, I think is really the, along with Terminator 2, the magnum opus. So what's the story of Predator? Uh, it's a little bit thin on story, which is just fine. Uh, you know, basically the, the movie opens, there's the impression of, uh, you know, you have an idea that a spaceship might land, and, you know, basically a gang of special forces individuals led by Schwarzenegger have to go into the jungle to do some kind of a mission Mm -hmm. and along the way they're accosted by a mysterious entity that ends up being the predator of course right now this film is actually really interesting in that it started as a joke uh when uh, Rocky IV came out there was kind of a joke around Hollywood that became very popular about what's Rocky gonna do next fight an alien because at this point there was no more opponents left on earth And the writers, uh, Jim and John Thomas, were so inspired by that joke, they decided to write essentially what happens if you have an extraterrestrial alien fighting someone on Earth. And that kind of became the script called The Hunter. And that, of course, would be changed to Predator. And so this began as a joke. uh, And it's interesting, those writers really didn't go on to do much. But it ended as anything but a joke. Mm. Uh, but the writers, the, the writers themselves, I think it's important that Shane Black, who, yeah. who was in the movie, mm-hmm. um, I forget the name of the person, he played the radio he, man. He played Hawkins. Hawkins, that's right. Uh, he went on to write all kinds of uh, films, Lethal Weapon. Yep. Um, he had actually written Lethal Weapon at the point when this film was shot. Oh, had he? Mm-hmm. And, and he wrote some, I think he did... Uh, the Last Long Kiss Goodnight, The Last Kiss, Boy Kiss, Scout. Yeah, I think he directed Kiss Kiss Bang Bang as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. And, and he directed Iron Man 3. And he's actually directing a uh, new Predator movie called The Predator. Yeah, I heard that. So, uh, apparently uh, he was cast, I mean, Hawkins is a fairly minor role. In what are you film. talking about? <laughs> he's important. <laughs> he's a Lynchstone uh, piece. but uh, I want the backstory of Hawkins. But apparently he was uh, cast in part because John McTiernan wanted him uh, on set and close to to be there to review the script. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how complicated this script was in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> but you can tell that Shane Black punched up the dialogue. Because I think if there's one thing we can agree on is that Predator has very memorable, like, tough guy poetry dialogue. It does, but I think one of the things that is so... Interesting about Predator, though, is uh, the how sparse the dialogue is, especially in the last half of the film, mm-hmm. which is more of the the battle half of the film. Yes, for sure. But how about you, Mark? Yeah, uh, well, I think the lack of dialogue too just kind of adds to the intensity, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got all this silence and this, these tense moments. 
Um, I was thinking it's kind of like a thriller, actually. You, you don't know what what's going to jump out, and yet they don't do those cheap, you know, jump out at you to scare you moments. Yeah. yeah. It's so intense. You're so into it. And I think the, the lack of dialogue just makes it all the more uh, interesting. You're wondering what's going to happen. I think there's really only one jump scare, which is the discovery of the skinned bodies. There's also the just a little bit of a jump scare, but it's not really a jump scare where they shows Arnold's spear when he holds it, but then it's not really anything jumping out. The, the right. music jumps at you, but it's not anything that's supposed to scare you. Right. Now, Mark, you and I, in particular, have a long relationship with Predator. Oh, yeah. Back in the VHS days, actually. We you guys have a relationship lot. with Predator? Is it? That's right. Yeah, it's it, a long, it, romantic it, relationship. We prefer not to discuss it, Tony. You swipe left on Predator? <laughs> Hold on. We're supposed to discuss this on the podcast. But, yeah, we watched it uh, on VHS at Cam's house when we were quite young. And I'm going to say 13, maybe? 14? Yeah, yeah. Your parents let you watch this? As no. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I taped it off TV. Back in the day, they used to have... Every week on one of our local affiliates, they would have something called Tough Guy Thursdays, where they would put on Schwarzenegger movies, uh, uh, Van Damme movies, Chuck Norris movies, whatever, and Predator was on one week, so I taped it. Well, I'm, I'm curious to know what the cable edit for your one ugly motherfucker was when the, uh, when the Predator first takes off his mask. Yeah, that's an excellent question. I don't remember it being anything particularly jarring. I think they probably just... Like, edit out the word motherfucker. It was probably, probably just one of those bad edits, too. They might have thrown another word in there, you know, you're one yeah. ugly. Have someone doing a bad Schwarzenegger accent, like, yeah. you are one ugly sausage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or the famous, like, the famous Die Hard 2 uh, TV edit, where they couldn't get Bruce Willis to do it, so they brought in an impersonator. <laughs> and it's amazing. And he says, yippee Kaye, Mr. Falcon. That <laughs> <laughs> so sounds good? No, it sounds awful. You get the yippee Kaye of Bruce Willis, and then you get some, like, guy, like, Mr. Falcon! <laughs> and it's just like, whoa, it's really jarring. People have put up clips of it on YouTube. It's but his job was impersonating? Uh, well, I don't not know. Not a good job. But I don't know that he was a... I don't think he was... Not a work. professional, maybe. No. Because, no. I, I mean, we're, we're going... Already we're going a little bit off topic here, but I remember uh, watching Commando mm-hmm. on on cable, and I remember very distinctly the scene where he jumps out of the plane, mm-hmm. uh, which the original says, oh, shit. Yeah. And then the the the, uh, the cable edit, he yells, "Oh, baloney!" <laughs> As a hardened marine would. <laughs> yeah. He has that same line when he's sliding down the bank towards mm. the water in this in this movie. I wonder what that one was too. Yeah, it was probably something along the same line. So probably the same clip. <laughs> yeah. So why don't we just talk about first experiences watching the movie? Like, what was we all saw it young, right, Tony? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, Mark, why don't you start? Like, what was your experience? I can't remember my first time watching it. What was your take on it, like, as a child? Well, let me tell you. So, we actually watched it. We all watched it a lot when we were teenagers, because that's what you do when you're a teenager. You watch things over and over if you like it. Right. Um, And my takeaway was, number one, it's awesome. Why? Because there's such variety in the way that the Predator kills people. Right. Um, A lot of awesome, tense moments. They really, uh, you know, just the idea of this this hunter that has some sort of weird, even value system, actually, mm-hmm. when it attacks the humans, that it won't attack the unarmed people, or that, you know, at the very end, you know, you know, Arnold won his respect so much that he took his weapons off and then fought him hand-to-hand, or hand-to-claw, right. as it were. Uh, it was really uh, interesting to see this 
alien that couldn't speak English, but still was a real hunter. It kind of made me right. think maybe we shouldn't be hunting animals. But then, you know, <laughs> then I kept, went and ate a cheeseburger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I found that the... Uh, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a very suspenseful movie. I mean, mm-hmm. the, there's a point, and it wasn't my first time, but I remember at one point I was watching it probably for the, probably for the thirtieth time, and uh, I remember thinking, you know, what is it about this movie that makes me keep watching it? And I realized that even though I'd seen the movie so many times, there's no, there's not a single point in the movie where you're bored or you're or right. you're thinking. Oh, uh, they did. They really need to put in this lengthy conversation, right? Uh, you know, the movie just trucks along at a good pace, with like it, no exposition, very very little expository dialogue. But even with that lack of dialogue, it's got, um, you know, a very simple but kind of compelling narrative, mm-hmm. where you know the the characters are underdeveloped but you understand their role in the film as as tropes i don't know if i ever appreciated how well the characters are defined though in this movie until i saw other predator movies where you would have a large cast of characters getting picked off and you realize how thin those characters are versus how iconic almost the entire cast of this movie is yeah that's right and and like you said mark the Despite the fact that it's, I mean, it clocks in at what about an hour and a half? Uh, it's an hour forty-five. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, even though the predator is really only seen, I mean, the 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 reveal kind of comes on gradually. Uh, it still has this interesting mythology built into it, mm-hmm. uh, with without talking about it, without Schwarzenegger saying we've discovered that the predator <laughs> is come co- comes from space yeah. and has it hunts men. Yeah. And, you know, like it's uh, it's just a very uh, I, th- I find it's a very compelling film. And that gradual reveal is so important that really, if they had revealed them early on, say the first half an hour then any other scene with him would be a lot less interesting, less exciting. But because they show you just little bits and they gradually reveal a little more as his suit doesn't quite work properly, mm-hmm. doesn't have the reflective uh, you know, aspect to it, uh, you know, it, and it's an awesome suit. Let's put it, you know, yeah. let's, let's be frank here. It's a great design. It was Stan Winston made it. Mm-hmm. And originally he was not hired to make the suit. It was another company made one. It looked kind of like a mixture with sort of an ant with like a goat sort of skull. It had like these long kind of jaw bones that stuck out of it. I heard it used to have a, it, the original design had a duck head it and looks like strange. A, and a single eye in the forehead. Yeah, it looks weird. And they originally hired uh, Jean Claude Van Damme to play the Predator, and he was in the suit on set, and he was fired from the movie. Uh, his story is because he kept complaining that it wasn't the suit that for that particular creature was not safe, and that he was very terrified to do stunts in it. Apparently, he's actually in. Uh, the predator, or is he? he's in Predator still. The first, um, the first time they show the predator, where he, you know, the hole in the jungle, mm-hmm. uh, that's apparently Jean Claude okay. Van Damme obscured by special effects. Right. Yeah. So he got fired. They brought in uh, uh, Kevin Peter Hall, who's far bigger and far more imposing, because it's, originally their idea was they wanted the predator to be kind of stealthy and like a ninja. And I think once you have like Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jesse Ventura, you don't want a guy who's about five foot eight running around. <laughs> yeah, Kevin <laughs> Kevin Peter Hall, who's uh, also famously was Harry yes. from Harry and the Hendersons. Yes, and he's great. The thing is, if he's an alien too, though, you can still have all that stealth like ability and mm-hmm. be seven foot two. I think he's yeah, actor, right? yeah. And the original script also was the uh, the Predator was just sort of a 
ill-defined sort of blob of energy that can control animals' thoughts and movements. It's amazing how scripts develop yeah. in films. You know, it's like... Well, you get a real sense of why projects get stuck in development hell. Yes. Yeah, so... Because what a dumb idea that is. I know, you look at that, you look at the original design, which doesn't look that great, and then at the last minute they brought in Stan Winston, who's one of the best effects guys in the business. Uh, he just passed on a couple of years, I think a year ago. Um, but he kind of had to come up with something very quickly, and uh, Joel Silver, the producer, had a painting of a Rastafarian warrior in his office. And he saw that, and he was like, okay, that looks pretty cool. Really? And he was on a plane going to some sort of event with James Cameron. And James Cameron was doing publicity for uh, Aliens at this point. And James Cameron said, you should put mandibles on it. That would look really cool. And so the mandibles on the Predator, thanks to James Cameron. That's why I like talking to you about movies, Cam, as I always learn something new. <laughs> Even my favorite movies that I think I know everything about, <laughs> there's always some fact that you know that I yes. don't. You know, you know what's awesome about this movie as well, though? Just uh, in, you know, in regards to why we would like it and the things that kind of stand out is uh, it can be really boring when you see tons of guns going off all the time, yeah. lots of explosions, but the whole setting in the jungle makes it so different from your average action movie. Yeah. You know, uh, an alien stalking humans throughout the jungle. You have all this really cool... Nature. I, I remember there's a line from Jesse Ventura where he's explaining the jungle to Mac. I can't remember what it was, but yeah. good explanation. But it's true, right? It's it's uh, if it was just tons of shooting, like bad guys versus good guy, each of them have a bunch of guns shooting at each other. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be a lot more boring. You know? Yeah, I think for me when I watched it as a kid, the jungle element played a huge part in why I liked it as much as I did. I don't know if I appreciated as much at the time how well made it was. I just loved like all the Arnold movies for the most part, with the exception of like like Red Heat, maybe. But like, if there was Arnold Schwarzenegger shooting people up or whatever, I was like, this is awesome. As a note, but, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you who are at home, next time you're in Puerto Vallarta, you can take an ATV tour mm-hmm. through that same jungle where they shot the Predator. I did it myself, and it was uh, it was amazing. Uh, not quite as amazing as what you see in the in the film, though. Are there still uh, skin bodies hanging from the trees? I didn't see any, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Is, yeah. there, is there still a village? Uh, I guess they destroyed that <laughs> yeah, village. It blew up, remember? It doesn't <laughs> exist anymore. So yeah, that shootout was actually a big reason I was a big fan of the movie as a kid. was because It was the jungle setting, and I had loved um, Rambo 2, which he goes, <laughs> back, he goes back to Vietnam. Like I, as a kid, preferred Rambo 2 to the original First Blood because it was in the jungle. Is that still the case? I kind of lean more towards First Blood now, but uh, but you have jungle weapons too. Exactly. It's not just guns. That's again my point is like so many action movies just lull you to sleep yes. with the same thing over and over. You know, and we got yeah. booby traps. Well, that's the thing. Booby traps in the in both cases, the hero kind of has to revert to his more primal self. Yes. Where you know the, the machines fail him at a certain point, so he's got spears, knives, traps, all that sort of stuff, and that is just so cool. How about that primal? Scream by Arnold when yeah, he like, uh, right before he lights the bush on fire. Uh, or, or um, I mean, there's so it's many icon- there's so many <laughs> iconic scenes uh, yeah. in this film. The uh, you know has, has there ever been a more a scene with more firearm overkill than the um, <laughs> yes, the, the, yes. the minigun? Yes, yes. Uh, it's an incredible scene. Yeah, and also you know, I mean, there's also the the carnage. They're just wait, they're just wailing on the jungle, but it's also interesting because. Uh, you know, 
you get a sense that all these guys trust each other's combat senses enough <laughs> to just fire blindly yes. when one of them is. That shot totally is a, agree. That whole scene is amazing. And John yeah. McTiernan would rip it off one year later with Die Hard when he has all the bad guys shooting all the glass. He, he says he, that became his thing. He really wanted to focus on people all firing a lot of weapons at once. But, but what Tony said is totally true. They, yeah. You can get the drama. Mm-hmm. You, first of all, it starts off with Mac, I think. Yeah. And he's going crazy yeah. right, already. So he's firing like crazy. And then they trust each other so much that they're just going to follow along. They're, yeah. they're, remember, they're a close team, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I think the fact that nothing is firing back makes it more dramatic. Yes. No, I agree, and just the fact that there's not even, like, a shot of a guy turning and looking over at the other one, like, what are we doing? Yeah. It's like, nope, they know that something's wrong. They instantly yeah. believe Matt. And, I, and I've also I've also kind of had a soft spot in my heart in action films of any scene that involves protracted machine gun fire and then a short break while they replace the ammunition <laughs> and then another, <laughs> another shot of the same thing. And speaking of, let's talk about simple pleasures with that scene. That minigun is the greatest the, thing ever. The sound of the minigun <laughs> yes. alone is amazing. I don't, Even when it runs out of bullets. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't know how practical it would be. I, I think if I think that I think that if I was, uh, you know, and I think I almost am uh, a top uh, military assassin. Obviously, um, I think that if I was. Uh, you know, a, a military elite being uh, parachuted into a um, a fixed jungle uh, that you can't see very far in front of you. <laughs> yeah, where we where it was established from the outset that we had to get in, do what we needed to do, and move fast. I don't know if I'd be carrying around a hundred and fifty pound uh, helicopter gun. Now you're taking no. on a whole regiment member. Those soldiers, they had to attack that village of soldiers. It's true, but can you, you imagine? A lot of firepower, you're, and you're not. You don't have many people with you. How many miles did they walk, though, to carry that? I would think well, quite a few. Well, it's kind of funny because it drops them off, and they're supposed yeah. to come in with stealth. Right. So they would have to have been really far away because you can hear a helicopter from very far away. Yeah, that's quite true. But actually. they got there pretty quickly, as I recall. Yes. <laughs> Originally, Jesse Ventura was uh, very much hurt by that gun. Uh, when they initially built it, the bullet shot up in the air as opposed to downwards. <laughs> and it was, shoot- it was spraying hot bullets all over them. And he had really bad burns. So, is it really fake? Well, it's a it fake, like it's a a real fake gun, but it does actually fire. Yeah. Yeah. It was, so it was firing. I think it was, I think it was a modified. Yeah. Yeah. It probably didn't have the weight that a normal one would, because I don't think he could have carried it. Even Jesse Ventura? Even Jesse Ventura. The body? But, I mean, that's, that's <laughs> one thing about this, this film as well, is it's just, <laughs> it's just dripping in, uh, over macho testosterone. The number, the number of scenes. It's of, like this room. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, right. Yeah, it's like all our rippling muscles right here. For those of you who aren't here but you're listening at home, that's we, right. We are sitting here in our tank top. <laughs> that's right. I'm eating a those protein bar right now. <laughs> I'm bench pressing Tony while he talks. <laughs> yeah, no, it's. Uh, you know, the number of scenes that, you know, we need to unnecessarily take our shirts off and, yes. and pull trees down to the ground. Yes. Uh, or, you know, when the scene where Schwarzenegger makes the bow just by yeah. uh, <laughs> bending his arms around What it. about when he first sees uh, the other guy? What's his name? Uh, Dylan. They, they do oh, the, the arm wrestle. Oh, the yes. hand. Boom! <laughs> Oh, Dylan! You got pushing too many pencils, Dylan! <laughs> the homoeroticism in this movie is off the charts. 
I love too the part where they start to build all the traps. Yeah. And they're like, okay, we gotta bunker down and build something to stop this thing. And they cuts them all with their shirts off, oiled up, just like pulling a tree down in unison. Yeah. It's like, oh boy. And they're yeah. usually part of montages, I suppose. Yeah. They're, they're not really, you know, totally focused on those scenes. They don't last that long, but. Apparently, according to Schwarzenegger, this shoot was something else. Like, all these guys, the testosterone was insane. They were all hyper-competitive with one another. Apparently, uh, I, I read somewhere that Carl Weathers, apparently, um, he pretended on set that it was just his natural physique, and he, <laughs> and he refused to work out or let anyone else know that he was working out. Oh, really? When, anyone, when any so of them were around. <laughs> And apparently Sonny Landham, who plays Billy, mm -hmm. uh, the uh, tracker, I suppose, um, was the craziest. Well, they he, all said he was nuts. Well, he's, uh, you know, I mean, it's interesting that I think there's three, well, two political careers. Mm -hmm. uh, Jesse Ventura, who is governor of, what, Minnesota? That sounds I right. Think so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then obviously Schwarzenegger, who is... Uh, governor yeah. of California, and he, uh, Sonny Lanham, he he was a candidate. He put himself in as a political candidate. I, I'm not sure if it was uh, for governor, right. and, and I don't know what state, but uh, wow. it didn't work out for him. <laughs> yeah, and he didn't have much of a career after. Like a lot of these guys went on to do quite a few things. I mean, Shane Black, who has like a nothing role in this movie, explodes, you know, creatively. Mm -hmm. um, but Sonny Landham, who I think is really good in this movie, like, I think he has so much charisma and just, like, you believe him. He's instantly iconic the second he walks on screen. Like, you compare him to uh, Richard Chaves, who plays Poncho, who's kind of a nothing. But, like, Billy is incredible, and it's kind of astonishing we never saw him pop up, even as, like, you know, the villain in, like, a Stallone movie or something like well, that. I think a lot of, I, I'm pretty sure, it's been a while since I've seen it, but the... Uh, much lesser movie, uh, Action Jackson. Yeah, okay. Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure a lot of the actors who were in uh, Predator mm -hmm. ended up going into Action Jackson. O obviously, Carl Weathers. I think Shane Black was involved somehow. Okay. Um, and I'm pretty sure Sonny Landon But was. Craig T. Nelson wasn't in Predator. <laughs> <laughs> no. I never saw Action Jackson. I only saw the kind of ripoff, also starring Carl Weathers, called Hurricane Smith. I never saw that. It was something else. It was not good. <laughs> not good at all. I thought it, Billy was kind of funny because it's pretty cliche, you know? He's a, he's a seer. I thought it was interesting yes. how they, they rely on, you know, the, the Native American to He's yeah. very noble and strong and he's yes. quiet. He's <laughs> right? the only one that really understands the predator. Yeah. yeah. Remember, he was the one that he could see... Uh, sense something in the trees when no right. one else could. Like, what is it, Billy? Yeah, his right. preternatural. Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, he was more in touch with nature because he's Native American, right? See, that's the cliche. Yes. And you can see, say, and remember also, he says, there was a firefight. There was this, there was that, right? right. right? Yeah, it just doesn't make cliche. any sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He'd be kind of a drag to have there that's where, you know, where he says, oh, we're all going to die out here. Mm -hmm. It's like, wow, let's try and stay positive. And he's Billy. the only one that completely sacrificed himself. Yeah. It looked like he was doing some sort of ritual, too. Yes. Now, I was always a little bit confused at how vague it was. Do you, did these guys really know each other beforehand? Because we get the sense that, uh, that Blaine and Mac do. But well, that was from way back. But Arnold from way was back. supposed to know each other, and yeah. of course Jesse Ventura's character and Mac. But you don't. Oh, okay. So you really, get the, do you really yeah. get the sense though that like Arnold Schwarzenegger really knows Billy that well. Yeah. Do you see? I always yeah. felt a little 
iffy on that because Blaine is is much closer with um with Mac. Like he, you know, Mac when he when Blaine's killed says, you know, he's my friend and all yeah, that. I I just, I just think you don't understand human emotions, Cameron. <laughs> well, that's also uh, part of the I, I, They don't have to talk. Uh, Wait till we do Terminator and I can just tell you how much I relate to the Terminator the whole time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like him because he feels nothing. <laughs> like me. <laughs> so, the cast in this movie. You know, we should talk about Arnold first off. We talked about how important this movie is with you, Tony, especially, for being among Arnold's best. Mm-hmm. Do you think Arnold's performance in this stands head and shoulders above his other 80s output? He's incredible in this film. Uh, you know, I mean, I wouldn't... <laughs> so many funny and awkward lines. <laughs> it's just like, oh, that hurts. Yeah. But, but it's Arnold, so it's all forgiven. Yes. I don't know. I mean... Around. <laughs> apparently that was improvised. Really? Yeah. <laughs> You're telling me that wasn't Shane Black coming up with that one? Oh, might have been. Over and over, you can tell the, the dialogue, his intonation, and I'm not yeah. talking about his accent, his intonation, the, the way he expresses himself, it was yeah. awkward, but they're just such short snippets of dialogue, Yeah, and it's it's awesome. It's I, still awesome. I well, think McTiernan knew what Cameron did in that keep Arnold's dialogue to a fair minimum. Yeah, but he's actually, uh, like, he his, his reaction shots and that kind of thing... Mm-hmm. I don't know. I find him uh, convincing in the context. I mean, I, I'm I'm never fooled in thinking like, "Whoa, Arnold Schwarzenegger is genuinely an American Special Forces." <laughs> well, obviously, he's American. Where else would he be from? <laughs> yeah, I never because really, that's another thing I didn't understand because his name in the film is I think Dutch, but Alan Schaefer or something like that oh, is okay. his is his name. Um, but they call him Dutch. But he's got an Austrian accent. <laughs> Doesn't really make sense to me. But uh, no, I think uh, Schwarzenegger did a great job mm-hmm. in this film. Um, did what he does best. Like the fact that the last half an hour or so of the film is virtually dialogue free. Yeah, and he uh, carries it. He does. It's hard. It, it's pretty hard to do um, uh, a film that is so sparse in dialogue yeah. and have it be riveting have it be successful yeah, right? a Where, lot of films that do that they try to um over exaggerate their emotions mm-hmm. to make up for the lack of dialogue right. but you don't get that feeling from him. you That's because his arnold, emotion seems arnold hasn't on. yet quite gotten emotion on screen in 1987 <laughs> that comes a little later no but you don't but, want him to be because he's no. supposed to be tough he's yes like, he's like the ultimate warrior who's going to take he's the only one on the planet that could handle the predator yeah well maybe the ultimate warrior could well yeah <laughs> maybe Rest in peace. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a movie like Predator is one that will never get acknowledgments for acting, but I think you have to give a credit to its cast and how strong they have those characters down. Hey, speaking of actors, I can't remember if we did this in our last episode, but um, did you did you uh, spot Sven? I did not spot Sven. Uh, if you're for those of you, if I've already said this in a previous episode that you've obviously There's listen to listeners yeah, that's right <laughs> um you can just fast forward but sven Oli thornson is uh one of schwarzenegger's uh oldest collaborators and he's often he's in more schwarzenegger films than any other actor uh and he's often there's a stunt double or a stand-in and uh he is in this one okay where uh he is the I guess the Russian advisor in the village who's going through the, the CIA papers. Oh, okay. He's only on screen for uh, a couple of seconds, but 
He's there. Wow. I'm not sure I understood the Russian advisor, but what, what was that all about? What are they doing there? Well, the Russians are bad. This is 87. Of course. Um, and Although, it, didn't, didn't Rocky heal the Russian American feud in uh, just like a couple years earlier? That's uh, not, not uh, considered. It's not canon. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, no. So the Russians are, are bad. They're universally evil in 87. Mm-hmm. Sure. And... Um, and Guatemala is also bad. I mean, no one ever really knows what goes on in the jungle. Is that where they were, Guatemala? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. All right. I knew it was somewhere in South America. Yeah. Or Central America. Or, or Central... Whoa. So, <laughs> wherever! This is Guatemala, for God's sake. This isn't a geography podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so uh, the impression I got was that the Russians were somehow working with some guerrillas uh, to... Get some papers. That's what Carl Weathers was after. It's, 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 it's all a little thin. The important thing is that everyone was shot and killed. That kind of brings me to a point. And this movie it feels like a very post-Vietnam movie. There's a lot of imagery that evokes Vietnam movies. The chopper's just over the treetops. Don't forget the rock music during the chopper ride. Yes. That's classic vintage Vietnam movies. Yes. I think, you know, when I think of Vietnam, I think of people riding around in choppers with classic rock playing. Basically, apocalypse now. Um, Yeah, you've got the jungle comet. They're they're sort of like fighting someone who has more of, I guess, a primitive approach to combat than what the American military is used to. And they're struggling against that this entire movie, which feels very post-Vietnam. As well as the fact that they, the reasons they're there are, are not what they thought they were there to do. So they think oh, they have yeah. a noble cause going in. Ultimately, it's they're being played by the CIA. The, the Russians are involved. Symbolism. Yeah, the, the men in black. Yeah. And I know like a lot of the cast were Vietnam veterans. Oh. So I don't know about John McTiernan, but... It does feel very much along those lines. And when you have, like, Rambo 2 coming out, I think, a couple years earlier, too, like, Vietnam is still on everyone's mind. Yeah, well, it's it's interesting that, um, just kind of tangentially, that the there's really only one big action set mm-hmm. piece in, in the entire film, mm-hmm. right? Like, Predator's thought of as uh, an action film. Right. Uh, you know, but it's that that Vietnam era action movie or post Vietnam era action movie. There's really only that one scene in the village where they're blowing everything up and yeah. are immune to. Right. Uh, you know, it's amazing how bad anyone who's not the good guy in these films <laughs> is at shooting things. It's quite true. Uh, my favorite part is right at the start of the shootout is when Arnold Schwarzenegger goes in and he's gonna like sneak up on them or something. And then he pauses, and then he decides to roll that truck downhill, and no one notices the man like picking up the truck and rolling it down the hill. Well, you know, it was it was noisy. The thing sure. kept running. He, he cut that timing belt, but this is like a six foot five, giant, muscular Austrian man. Yeah, but he's behind the truck. It, it wasn't it really wasn't really. He's kind of out in the open a bit. It wasn't really clear to me what was so pressing, why they had to go in right away, because as far as I can tell. Um, the, uh, they showed that hostage getting shot, Mm -hmm. but it's not like they rescued any other hostages. As far as I can tell, everyone was dead. Yeah, it seems that way. (laughs) They may have just been caught in the crossfire. (laughs) That that minigun doesn't uh, choose favorites. Maybe Anna was very valuable. 
maybe the reason for bringing Anna is kind of vague too. Like, yeah, she's gonna give us information. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, she's sure. horrible at giving information. So they're they're going through the jungle. She sees the predator with her own eyes, and all she can say is, "The jungle came alive and killed him." Yeah, I mean. Come on, people! Yes. And then later on, she reveals that, oh yeah, by the way, some other people, soldiers were killed earlier, too. Yeah. Some of them were skinned alive, some of them worse. Yeah. <laughs> Not atypical for these kind of mid-80s Schwarzenegger films. Right. Uh, you know, women don't have a particularly strong role in this no. film. No. Um, you're never going to see it as uh, at the top of a women's studies syllabus. <laughs> yeah, she was... And you know what... On that exact same point, Tony G, she tries to escape by attacking them. Where's she going to go? The Predator's out there attacking everybody, yeah. attacking these elite trained soldiers. What, are you going to take on the Predator by herself by first escaping from the soldiers? Come on, people. What are you thinking, woman? She's moving the plot along is what she's doing, and she's helping separate the crew so that they can get picked off. Mm-hmm. Because well, that's how Hawkins first dies. He's chasing her into the jungle. She did, but it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, it works on a plot level, but it is. I don't think a character like Anna is getting written nowadays. Yeah, I hope pr- not. Probably not. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, I don't think you could make a movie like this today, right? I mean, I don't it, think so. If this if this movie was made today, mm-hmm. you know, it would be um, PG thirteen. Yeah, it would be PG thirteen. There'd be computer graphics everywhere it wouldn't be the kind of stripped down raw sci-fi horror right that um that predator is well it was nice that when they created this movie there was nothing they were trying to follow like they created the template of the predator movie and i i don't know about you guys but i kind of feel like they maybe should have stopped at one like just the idea of one perfect predator movie i think was pretty awesome well, i don't really remember predator 2 well i think yeah. uh, i mean i think predator 2 is unfairly treated okay. uh, it's definitely not as good as predator one no it's not um <laughs> but yeah I, I find it interesting I, I really don't care for the alien versus predator movies yeah i, uh, thought, I thought to me like predators was the second best mm-hmm. but it's not a movie that i fell in love with in any way shape or predator form. 2 had those cool different ways that he killed people again yeah which again is kind of why, one of the reasons i like predator one and then yeah. it had his different vision modes yeah and he had the razor disc, which I really remember. Oh, yeah. He throws it and, like, cuts Gary Busey in half. Mm-hmm. That was pretty cool. And I like the moment at the end where Danny Glover kills the Predator, which, come on. Arnold Schwarzenegger could barely kill the Predator. You're expecting you to believe Danny Glover can? Well, <laughs> but, well presumably, uh, different Predators uh, have different strengths. And, sure. And this is a weaker Predator. <laughs> <laughs> Real weak. Uh, but I like that when Danny Glover kills the Predator... The other predators all come out and then give Danny Glover like a trophy, because you know their honor system is that Danny Glover was a superior hunter. Yeah. So I mean, so I mean, we shouldn't dwell too much on Predator Two. Well, well I think it's interesting to talk about as a franchise because mm-hmm. does this movie, when you watch it, does it feel like a movie that does, that demands a franchise? Not really. I mean, we're going it, back to the jungle, people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it could yeah. it could stand alone. I think it's probably. I think Arnold Schwarzenegger. Made the right decision, not, um, not participating in the sequel. What is an old predator like? Do you think? Um, pro- probably kind of cranky. <laughs> <laughs> do like do predators get to a retirement age, or do they just get killed in combat? 
I'm not sure. Like, I wonder, you know, I mean, obviously when there's the hunting parties out. Right. Um, you know, they all wear bandoliers of skulls and uh, carry around trophies. But I wonder, you know, um, once they go back home, do they play cribbage and uh, watch Netflix? Right. You know, they talk to each other. Well, when you're or, more senior too, you kind of like organize the party. You know, you're not mm-hmm. the one like on the ground hunting right. the, whatever you're hunting. Yeah. You know, I imagine you're, you're like the supervisor. Right. Not doing the heavy lifting. That makes sense. Um, the brains of the operation. Although, like, and you have to also train other young predators to hunt as well. That's quite true. What mm-hmm. do you think the predator like raising children? Do you think well, it's tough love? I think it's kind of like, you know, uh, 300, where they're, you know, they're training the kids from a very young age. Right, yeah. Tough love. And, like, the ones who don't make the cut, like, get thrown off a cliff or something? Uh, I don't think so. I think they're really nice. I think that... <laughs> I think the side of the predator that we see on screen yeah. is is really uh, not not fair to the predator's home life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's more to the hunting. Just like with humans, there's more to hunting, like more to us than hunting. But the deer just think we hunt. That's all they. Sure. Well, so it's kind of like because I do a Star Trek podcast on the side, Subspace Transmissions, which you both have appeared on. Plug. Um, Yes, plug. Um, but the Klingons on the, in Star Trek are always portrayed as warriors, right? It's always the warrior Klingons. But there's all these different classes in Klingon society, but you only ever see the warriors on, yes. in the show. Mm-hmm. Is that sort of like the predator culture? They can't. They, they must survive. They need farmers. They need, you know, people to build buildings and, you know. Right. It's like, uh, what was it? Rome collapsed because they put too much emphasis on the army. Right. Maybe uh, maybe the predators at home run their own podcasts, but oh. there's just a series of clicks for an hour and a half. Uh, you know, I think this line of thought has gone on long enough. <laughs> well, I was, I was going to see. Speaking of the clicks and what have you, of the predator sound, did you know that those clicks and everything were performed by Peter Cullen, the voice of Optimus Prime? How? With doing what? He did all the Predator vocal sounds. But he must have had an instrument, no? No, it's all done with his voice. What? He was basically, he had to totally really? come up with a Predator, and he came up with all those sounds. It's an awesome sound. It is. And I just can't imagine, like, he, uh, he should go into beatboxing if that's what he Well, I mean, he's do. a voice actor, long term, so But he... the clicking sound, especially. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. He's a, he's a Canadian mm-hmm. guy. I think he lives in Vancouver, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that either. But one thing I want to actually call out, let's talk a bit about the Predator as a character, because one of my favorite things in this movie is that every time it cuts to the heat vision, there's like this like whip-crack sound. Which is actually a whip. Is it a whip? It's actually, uh, I looked it up. Yeah. Uh, it, it's actually just some sound guy taking a bullcrack whip and, <laughs> and overlaying it onto the thing. Those things aren't easy to use. Cam has several whips, apparently. I do. He whips all the time. <laughs> Does he whip it good? Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, yeah that's a lot of information out there yeah, on the internet about you, Cam. I know, I know. He's got six, seven foot whips. <laughs> but that sound effect is so effective for suspense. Like, you have a sequence where, you know, it shows Arnold, like, crawling on the ground. Whip crack, cut to yeah. the Predator vision. You're like, you're like, holy shit, I'm on board. Isn't it funny, too? Now, let's talk about his vision, because it is actually very effective if you're looking at a forest and, and whatever you're hunting is in camouflage. Yeah. The heat-seeking, I mean, honestly, it's, right. it's, it's uh, amazing. But other times, it seemed pretty useless. I mean, it's just so... Blurry. How can you tell? I mean, remember I've, when he's yeah. looking at uh, Arnold? I know you know when he takes his helmet off. That's different. 
But you know, it's it's hard to see what you're grabbing and doing. Even when you put it on the scorpion, it's like, how did he see that? <laughs> well, I, I think, don't know. Well, I think uh, I mean that's one of the one of the things about Predator Two, and they kind of allude to it in this movie is that he does have different modes of right. vision. So um, the fact that he can see all the trip wires, uh, which we didn't is see that vision though. Yeah, although I, I am kind of uh, I am a little bit uh, perplexed as to uh, if the predator can see trip wires, why he can't see even thicker trip wires. <laughs> oh, you mean the natural ones? Yeah. Well, those are natural. I think that mm. something in him detects the human uh, made um, material, like metal. Right. That makes um, sense, I guess. But, I guess. But you know what? I what also doesn't make sense though is you've got clothing. He can see through clothing. You see that he, but he can't see through mud. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure the science behind that <laughs> probably doesn't check out the anti-thermal mud. I think they did a MythBusters episode on that. Speaking of uh, science, there's a part where Anna is saying, you know, in the legends or whatever, this creature only comes when it's the hottest. Wouldn't when it's the hottest mix up its heat vision the most? Nah, wouldn't you, wouldn't it, you want to like hunt in the Arctic? It's all relative, though. It's all relative, right? Sure, but if you hunt in the Arctic, wouldn't things stand out better? I think so. Yeah, but maybe that's the challenge. They're they're hunters, you know. They, mm. they maybe the beginning predators can have to you know go to the Arctic and then right. find easy prey. But this guy's an expert. That's quite true. Look at the way he healed himself when he was all shot up. Is this the most badass predator in the out of the franchise? I think he might be. If you look at the competition he's going up against, I think this might be the toughest one. Well, I think so, obviously. Yeah. But uh, he's, he's definitely the yeah. he's definitely the coolest. I mean, that that's part of the appeal of this film is um, the gradual reveals of the predator. You know, it it's, uh, gets revealed first by the. Uh, more by what it, what it's done, skinning mm-hmm. the soldiers and leaving them there, and then you see the heat vision, mm-hmm. and then you see the uh, the camouflage, and then finally you see it at a distance in the mask, and it's only at the end that you see the the full reveal, right? Yeah, and that's one of the genius things about Predator is that the character is so memorable because there's all these different phases of him, and then mm-hmm. each one you're like, whoa, it blows your mind with each one, and when he pulls off that mask at the end, you're like, this guy can't get any cooler. And then he somehow manages to look just as cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Super ugly, but But crazy. scary. It really, they did a very good job on that costume. Yeah, is yeah. there... Seriously. Yeah, it's almost... That movie's, what, almost 30 years old? Yeah, it still yeah. holds up. And like that the makeup... The, the mouth moves, it yeah. opens up when he yells and everything. Yeah, that makeup, or that prosthetic suit or whatever, compare that to any, like, CG creation nowadays. It's not even close. Yeah. Like, the Predator yeah, looks real. Better. Yeah. 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 Well, um and apparently the uh the stunt man in the suit, uh Kevin Peter Hall was blind as a bat. And Arnold Schwarzenegger said their fights were actually really dangerous because the guy couldn't see, so Arnold's getting hit. <laughs> <laughs> right, and Arnold doesn't have uh 6 inches of latex protecting him. Yeah. Um but how would you describe how would you describe this movie? Like what classification? Is this an action movie? Is this a sci-fi? Is this a horror movie? I think uh, it's almost sci-fi thriller because you know it doesn't have the same amount of action as a regular action movie it seems, but you're always in suspense. So it's kind of like a suspense movie. You know, of the sci-fi action thriller of the of these types of movies, mm-hmm. um, is Predator the the best of its kind? 
You know, I'm thinking of other movies that might be comparable, like Alien. Yeah, so or, I was thinking Alien, especially. Yeah. I was thinking Aliens. Or Aliens, or, yeah. um, or The Thing. Thing is, yeah, really great, too. Um, I would say, I, I don't know that I would put the original Alien in that category, because Alien doesn't have the focus on, like, real action. It's more, Alien is more of a horror movie, full-on horror Whereas I would say Aliens is closer to Predator because it does have the same suspense, but also has the the, the action mm-hmm. element. Um, but Aliens is an amazing movie as it well. It is, yeah, yeah. And so I think those two are probably about the best there are. I think that that's the reason their names are brought up so often, and you know they're playing revival screenings all the time. And that's why they had to join the worlds. Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. That's... They stand well, they, out so much. They didn't have to, but <laughs> they did. Money made them. And it's interesting that, like, when Predator came out, it was reasonably well reviewed, but not super it was, well. Uh, and a lot of a lot of people were quite critical when yeah. it, when it was reviewed, saying this is just a brainless film. Mm-hmm. Uh, another example of Hollywood excess. Um, and I think history has been a little bit kinder to yeah. to the movie. Um, you know, which, which I find it, I find it interesting that critics would have been that harsh on the movie at the time. And like, they really liked Aliens. Like Aliens got great reviews. And to me, the two are not. There's not a, go- a huge gulf in quality to me between the two. Yeah, no, it's kind of stock stock characters with um, mm-hmm. kind of uh, a little bit of sped up character development. Mm-hmm. Character characters are defined basically by a hat and a weapon. Right. <laughs> Right, <laughs> a lot of silence, a lot of driving score mm-hmm. as they're you know battling things off. Speaking of the score, um, yeah. you know, not to take us away from from this discussion, but uh, how dare I, you? I know, but I think a big part of the, what what makes this movie so good is the Alan Silvestri score. Yes. It's it's a great score. I mean, it's a little bit when you think about like an '80s action movie, mm-hmm. you think of music like this, like, and it just it. Drives the movie forward at the same time that it really adds to the um, the suspense. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's a, amazing music. The score didn't really. It seemed to me that it didn't really amp up until about halfway through the movie. Then the score really just kept uh, accelerating. And before that, it was more. You had a little more. You know those drums that go. Yes. And and it's like it's just kind of like Jaws actually. You know, right. it's got it's got the, it's very very simple sound. Sort of like, the, like it's got kind of a tribal sound too. Yeah, it's yeah. got a tribal sound. You know, we're in the jungle people, but mm-hmm. it's also very very tense, right? right? I love that. And then also um when they have even though it's like you know, 80 synthesizers, they actually add in those a little bit. Right. And then what I really remember the store the score is actually further along in the movie though. So it seems to progress perfectly. Well, the, again, the end of the movie where there's no dialogue, yeah. it's just um, kind of the A-team scene where yeah. a, a lot of like... Oh, a yeah, lot of, he's by himself. A lot of close-ups of gear right. um, and gear being made and traps being set. Yes. Oh, and arrow and everything. And mm-hmm. this was Alan Silvestri, uh, I think this was his follow-up, I think, score to Back to the Future. So mm. he was on a hot streak because the Back to the Future one was instantly iconic and this one is just as fantastic. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, Mark, you and I, when we were in our teenage years, used to obsessively play Contra Three: The Alien Wars mm-hmm. uh, for Super <laughs> Nintendo, mm-hmm. and they rip off the Predator score, as you might recall. In the final level, there's a scene where you are battling like this alien metal hawk, 
Mm-hmm. That's bouncing around, and they are playing a score that is and so it's close. It's epic, right? Yes. Even though it's a ripoff, it's epic. And yeah, exactly. And I remember you and I playing that game, and whenever that's because the sound, the score kicks in really quietly, like everything goes quiet in the game. Yes. And then it slowly starts, and it does yeah. that dun 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 dun, and we, it's like it's on. Exactly, and that's what you have to do, right? You have to gradually introduce it. If you yeah. had started with this uh, full blown score, what would you have after that? You know, you gotta start with the tense. Yeah. Just you know, little simple, uh, simple sounds. Right. You know, there's still this huge mystery of who or what is attacking and killing everybody. Yeah. Well, the initial score of sort of those drum beats is more kind of like mysterious. Yeah. And it's then like, they add the the synthesizers. Yeah. Which is, but it's still mysterious. It's still not full blown. And yeah. then the score comes in. Yeah. The full booming, yeah, driving score where, yeah. at that point, they know they have the audience. And they're just gonna like push it as far as they can. You know what I'm, you know what I'm realizing is, and is, you know, we've been sitting here talking about Predator now for what almost an hour, mm-hmm. and we haven't had anything negative really to say about it. I mean, that <laughs> that's what makes it such an amazing film. Well, it, it, it's it's so hard. I mean, you could unless you just don't like this well, genre. We did point out the Anna character is a little, yeah, questionable, but <laughs> but it's there's just so many awesome things in this film and so few. Negatives. Uh, it's uh, and the negatives work, right? The negatives yeah. kind of just make it funny too, in a in a bit of a Arnold Schwarzenegger type of way. And the, yeah. And the fact that the film's thirty years old, and in my mind, I mean, some of the effects are a little bit dated. There's some really, really politically incorrect uh, <laughs> dialogue early in the movie. Yeah, but the, the what, what part? I can't remember. Jesse Ventura drops oh. uh, some lines that you would not get away with in a movie nowadays. Yeah, and nor nor should you. Uh, um, but <laughs> very, very homophobic uh, comments. Yeah, I mean, oh, just just slightly offset by uh, by him suggesting that chewing tobacco will turn you into a sexual tyrannosaurus, which I'm kind of curious what that would look like. I've been chewing it for years, and I still haven't achieved that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I just, I mean, I just kind of, I gotta wonder, you know. What a tyrannosaurus would actually be like, uh, you know. The, those tiny arms couldn't really wrap around you tenderly, um, you know. That coming in for soft, gentle kisses in a carrion-filled maw. I think. I think it would be. Um, I think. I think it's the wrong metaphor. Right. <laughs> what would be All the, this goes to say. What would be the metaphor. better one? Um. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not gonna try well, yeah. <laughs> and come up with a better metaphor you know, for chewing thing tobacco. That, another thing that kind of <laughs> seems to date this movie um, is the the use of smoking and cigars right. so often, right? And I it, love it. It's though. really funny how the first scene you have Martin Schwarzenegger is him laying back in the chopper, yeah. and he's got this big cigar in his mouth. And within 10 minutes, he lights up another one. Yes. Within five minutes, actually, he lights up another fresh new cigar. It's a very manly, masculine thing to do, right? I think nowadays, because of a lot of backlash about the right. use of cigarettes and the tobacco companies in movies, you don't see it as much. In- Interestingly, um, the first cigar that he lights up, actually due to safety regulations, he wasn't allowed to smoke on the helicopter. Okay. So the, uh, the smoke and the... Amber was added in post-production. Oh, really? Oh, wow. See, I got you this well, time. Oh, Kevin. wow. It nice. looks really good, though. Yeah, mm-hmm. it does. 1987. Interesting. Seriously. Yeah, like nowadays, you know, we're talking about Predator would be PG-13. And it's like they would have in the warnings, you know, smoking. Because now you have to mention that in the parental warnings. Really? Yeah. That's that's actually good, but... Is it? I don't weird. Know. <laughs> it is weird, yeah. Yeah. 
So, um, when Predator comes out, it's a pretty big hit in its year, but not the big hit that I would have thought it would be. It opened at number 12 uh, for the year. It was number 12 for the year, I should say. It opened at number one, I think. Yeah, I think it probably did open at it number be- one. I think it beat out Beverly Hills Cop 2. Right. So, it was the n- at number 12 for the year, sandwiched in between Dirty Dancing and Throw Mama from the Train. Now, one of those obviously went on to become a v- real classic, um, Dirty Dancing. I loved... Oh. I've had the time of my life. Um, I was going to say Danny DeVito. Oh, well, Throw Mama for a Train. I mean, I, I've heard it's good, but it's not one that people often talk about now. No. Uh, but the number one movie of the year, and Predator made about $60 million, the number one movie of the year of 1987 was Three Men and a Baby, which made $167 million. Really? Which, yeah, not the movie I would have thought would like really, but really if, overshadow. But if Predator had uh, Tom Selleck, mm-hmm. and True. I don't know who the other two men were, was it John Ritter? <laughs> John Ritter? Oh no, it was Steve Gutenberg and... Uh, um, Oh my god, who's the other one? Ted Danson. That's right. Yes. That's right. Uh, uh, Three Men and a Baby isn't a movie that I've watched a lot of times. It does not hold up well. At all. At all. But probably better than Three Men and a Little Lady. Yes. Yes. But uh, (laughs) Predator, so it's number 12, but at number 30 was Running Man. So Predator, compared to, you know, Running Man, another Schwarzenegger vehicle for that year, did a lot better. Made $20 million more. Um, Running Man made like $38 million. Really? I wouldn't be so... Because, I mean, Predator was sandwiched between, um, I think, Red Heat. Mm. So, um, Commando came out, which was just uh, raw action. Right. And then Red Heat, which is of the of the kind of mid-80s Schwarzenegger movies, is maybe one of the weaker ones. Yeah. And then Predator, and then, um, and then Running Man, which is... Yeah, all in all, a pretty good run of films. Yeah, ex- well, exactly. I mean, for 1987, this was a darn good year for Arnold. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very good year. And uh, it'll be interesting when we talk about Running Man to kind of compare this, you know, Predator against Running Man. But since, Mark, we won't be there, how do you, do you uh, have any opinion on sort of Running Man versus Predator? Oh, man. I mean, the thing is, I'm very biased. I saw Predator a lot of times. I think mm-hmm. I saw Running Man once. Right. So I don't even have a very good memory of it. Mm-hmm. So you better not ask me that question. There, there, there are totally point. different movies. <laughs> Sven Oli Thorson definitely has a uh, much expanded role in Running Man, right. but um, but yeah, I'm surprised it only made sixty million. Mm-hmm. It was I know it was a, it had a budget of about fifteen million. When you when you think about that in when you look at those budgets of these films in terms of what they spend on movies today, it's kind mm-hmm. of incredible. Yeah, yeah. Um, one thing I want to talk about Predator is. Um, this movie is done almost entirely in visual storytelling. Very little is done through dialogue or exposition. And it's a very weirdly restrained movie, which is mm-hmm. funny to say in a movie full of action and over-the-top kind of explosions and what have you. But it feels weirdly restrained. And I think it really painted the Predator, quote-unquote, franchise in a corner. And that they, I don't think they've ever been able to figure out how to kind of replicate everything that makes Predator great again. Well, I don't think you can. I mean, we all—that's the issue. We yeah. all know what the predator looks like, mm-hmm. right? And I mean, the problem is, is that uh, I mean, the film is basically driven by uh, Schwarzenegger, who's kind of a, a special effect unto himself, yeah, and by the gradual reveal of the predator. And mm-hmm. so, 
Schwarzenegger is now like 70. Right. And the Predator, we all know what he looks like. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to do with it? And, yeah. and after Aliens versus Predator, it's really... Yeah. It's just too late. I don't know if you can save it. Do you guys even remember the second Alien versus Predator? Uh, Requiem? No, I don't. I don't did think I, I see it. I don't I think, think I, I, no, I think I think did. we did. I think I was with you. We watched it at a friend's house, and the movie is shot so dark you can't even see what's going on. Is that the one where they give the the woman the alien's head as a shield? No, that's that's the that's the first one. Running side by side with the predator. Yeah. Oh, it was so funny. That's the first Alien versus Predator. Yeah. Oh, she's running with the. Predator. Well, I remember one of them was PG thirteen. I mean, what the what would save this? Um, if they were going to reboot the franchise or make uh, make a convincing sequel. I think number one, what they'd have to do, and which they they won't do. You look at the some of the other Schwarzenegger or action uh, franchises that they tried to reboot. Yeah. Um, like I think the one that comes to mind is like Conan, mm-hmm. which is and rather than it being, uh, you know, kind of a stripped down, sparse dialogue. Um, Film that kind of the kind of '80s action set piece that that the '80s was so good at producing. Mm-hmm. They, you know, it's just they're made um, with tons of CG, yeah. uh, tons of. There's usually a, a clever sidekick, um, a lot of witty banter that doesn't really hold up. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think if they were, and it's usually PG-13 to get more people in. I think if they were to uh, make the movie uh, R-rated, mm-hmm. uh, make it good and gory and get the right people on board uh it would uh it it could work i mean that's the thing about predator when you look at all of the people who were involved um all of the the kind of the action ensemble cast is really good mm-hmm. you had an excellent score with alan silvestri you had a top-notch action director with john mctiernan uh you had a photography we haven't even mm-hmm. talked about that yeah, i mean yeah. well we had or joel silver yeah. Uh, producing crazy Joel Silver, yeah. yeah um, so it's uh, you know there's a lot of a lot of talented people working on the movie, right? And I mean that's that's always the number one thing is I think a lot of the films that they're making, you know, like I don't know who did the Alien versus Predator films, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't the same talent level. No, and I mean Predators was done by Robert Rodriguez. But I think the problem with that one was Robert Rodriguez is famous for just shooting things ultra, ultra, ultra cheap. And that movie felt really cheap a lot of the time. It just, you could tell with this film, it may not have had a huge budget, but they knew how to get the most out of their money mm-hmm. in a way where it was visually impressive. Like, it looks like an A-level movie, whereas Robert Rodriguez tends to make B-level movies. Mm-hmm. The simplicity, though, really helps. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the few special effects like the alien's gun, it actually doesn't hold up now in, right. in the Predator movie. It looks mm-hmm. pretty bad. It's these, yeah. you know, these floating, <laughs> glowing beams of light. <laughs> like looks, but the good thing is that it hardly appears in the movie. Yeah. Right? The simplicity of being in the jungle, even using jungle weapons and things like this, it's very... Timeless. Yeah. I'm really curious to see what Shane Black does with his Predator reboot. He has said the one thing, and I don't really know even how to take it, he says it's very important that Predator be like a blockbuster franchise again. Uh-oh. That, Which, that to me, that means PC? I'm sorry, not PC. Well, CG? Well, PC too. PC and, and CG. And, you yeah. know, like Tony, Tony G was saying, uh, you know, 14 years or PG-13, you know, yeah. and witty sidekick. Ah, uh, 
I don't know. Like Shane Black traditionally makes pretty hard-edged movies, so I have a hard time picturing him being like, "I want to make like a you know a, a movie for teenagers." I'm also expecting big explosions all the time. Yeah, the problem is there's no mystique left to the Predator. It's kind of like Jaws. You know, you do Jaws too. Everyone's just waiting to see the shark. Didn't you so, like how in Predator, so often they zoom into the forest and you're looking for the Predator, yes. but he's not there. Yes. You keep thinking, maybe this time I'm going to see the Predator, but he's not there. Yes. Just, you're like, oh my god, what's this Only, bi- only Billy can see him. Yeah, only, only Billy. Bill. And he's not even seeing him. He sees him with his spiritual eyes. He's feeling them. Right, right. He's feeling him. Right. And I mean, oh my gosh. Yeah, so I don't know. Love if, it. if you can't recapture that, I don't know how to make a Predator movie in any way exciting because it's kind of like if, you know, the Boogeyman isn't scary if you see him over and over again. Yeah. Like every horror franchise, that happens to Freddy, to Jason, whatever. Michael Jaws. Myers, Jaws. They stop being scary, and I don't know how you would ever recapture well, that. Well, usually to me, the, the what they did with Jaws is, uh, alright, the shark's been revealed. They yeah. keep trying to reveal it in pieces in the other movies, but what they did is they amped up the gore. Yes. So they had more blood, more uh, crazy scenes where somebody would be half in, half out of the shark. Yeah. Jurassic Park actually did the same thing. You know, yeah. you have someone mm-hmm. half in, half out, you know, a more gory, things like that. But still, you can't replace uh, the mystery. It's like the, what makes movies like Signs right. so effective is you you don't know what's happening. <laughs> well, except for you know the case obviously Jurassic Park three trumped Jurassic Park. I can't believe they used right. <laughs> right? <laughs> no, no. I, I just I'm still reeling by the fact that uh, Mark dropped Signs as an example of Signs is a great example uh, though because those <laughs> aliens are built up so much that it, they are really scary. Like that scene. Of the alien, you don't see them. Yeah, that scene of the the news footage of the alien walking oh, in front of that person. Oh the news footage, or the alien leg in the cornfield. Yes, come on, Tony G. Uh, do you remember that? I, <laughs> or the hand when they're hiding oh, out the basement. Oh my god, the hand. Oh. I disagree with uh, <laughs> signs. What was it, what was it that ultimately killed those okay, aliens? Let's not get into that part. Was it, wasn't <laughs> it water? Let's focus on the positive here. <laughs> what a stupid movie. Swing away, Daryl. Swing away. <laughs> Swing away. <laughs> sees him in the TV. Oh yeah. my god. Yes. That, imagine that. It seems so realistic. <laughs> I know. So like I don't know how you do something we haven't seen with a predator movie unless it's like just like an army of predators or something. Like the uh, pred- Oh, that's another thing movies do all the time. Yeah. Now you're not just facing the regular you're facing three predators exactly, in LA. Exactly. Exactly. But the fact- or the the mother of those things, you know, like the, yeah. the kingpin. But the fact they're calling it the predator yeah. Makes me think it's one again. Maybe it'll be maybe it'll be uh, a drama. Maybe it's going to be Oscar bait. Oh, like Howard's End. It's going to be like the, the you know yeah exactly. It's going to be like the Predator and the Queen. Anthony Hopkins is playing the Predator. <laughs> That's what, you know what though? What about the fact that you know we have a whole new uh, generation of moviegoers who have not seen the Predator probably, and they may have seen an Alien versus Predator though. Mm, yeah, yeah, but, you're right. You know, you're right. But, but, that, but they maybe because they, they haven't seen a, a movie like Predator. But can yeah. you? But can you imagine? Because uh, you know, um, you know, in 1987, just going to see that movie, not really knowing a lot about it. Yeah, and you know, you look at the poster for it. The Predator's not on it, so they wouldn't have even really known what the Predator looked like going in. Yeah, it's one of. The, yeah, no, I think that. I mean, everybody knows what the Predator looks like. Um, it's you know I, I you can I, I can tell that I'm getting old now that all, all of these films that were 
iconic or important to me are now being rebooted for right. um, for uh, a younger generation. And yet none of them are really working. There are uh, a few of them. Well, I kind of wonder. Like, I'm wondering if when I talk about the Predator um, as uh, as being, you know, oh, the, the greatest action film of all time, do I sound like my grandfather telling me, like, <laughs> oh, Victor Victoria is the funniest film ever made? <laughs> Victor Victoria, that's a good poll. <laughs> it's true. Like, I remember, like, uh, Mark, your your parents said, my that. dad used to always tell me about Airplane. Oh my god, Mike. Airplane well, Air- is the best movie. Air- you wouldn't believe it. I actually never, I don't think I ever saw that movie. Airplane's not, it's pretty good actually. It still it holds up pretty well. What I saw, so it's but, like, but your dad was also big on the movie The Party, starring Peter Sellers. Oh, yeah. And I watched that and I was like, I mean, it's to this okay. day, he still says pretty num num. I've never seen the movie. Yeah. I'm not really sure what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, Tony, we should get into this. Because you and I went and saw a screening of Predator about, what, a week and a half ago? I guess maybe a week? Yeah, so it was uh, at a local local independent theater, uh, the, the Rio. Rio, which is a great, great little theater in town here. Um, and... They do, uh, I guess it's monthly mm-hmm. or twice monthly. Yeah. They do um, kind of a mystery science theater type thing uh, where they take generally bad films and... Yeah, like some of those we've seen, Masters of the Universe, Cobra, yeah, movies like that. And three of the local uh, comedians. Vancouver comedians around here, they sit up sit up front and, and, and rip jokes at it. And usually it's quite funny, but we went to the, the Predator one and... It, I, found, I actually found myself getting kind of annoyed. I was kind of thinking, man, I've never actually seen Predator on the big screen. Uh, I've only ever seen it on, you know, I was seven when it came out. I've only ever seen it on VHS or, you know, on a Sony Trinitron. Um, and, uh, and, and I just wanted to watch the film. I, and, and yeah. to be honest, it's, it's a hard movie to, really make fun of well because it's um too good uh, it's an awesome movie and, just... and everything like i got really annoyed how predator is a movie that succeeds because it's so tense there's such great suspense to it and they would just talk over all the scenes where it's like building suspense mm-hmm. so i just feel like please shut up like i just want to watch the movie because it's so darn good so i can see you've got the usual cheesy Arnold lines in the movie. You know, not many, you, though. You could kind of make fun of that. First of all, there's not many. Yeah. And second of all, the rest of the movie is just, it's awesome, it's compelling, it's believable. Yeah. And yeah. all they kept doing was making jokes about Jean-Claude Van Damme. Because Van Damme was, again, originally cast as the Predator. Now, what percentage of the audience knew that? I'm going to say about me. <laughs> because judging from the lack of laughter... And how about, I mean, how many jokes did they make about that Van Damme thing? It was ongoing for the like, entire I'm feeling well, I've got this it all written out. i got to still say these lines. Well, and no, no, no disrespect at all to the guys who do that. They uh, normally do a lot better. Um, yeah, they I mean, they're, 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 they're generally quite, quite funny, but uh, it's a challenging film to, to rip on. Uh, Don't you think, though, if you're going to make jokes about Van Damme, you should tell the audience that Van Damme played the Predator originally? Um, I probably, it's not something I'd rely on as being, uh, common knowledge. No, no, it's um, really not. So you need another movie, that uh, Cam and I went to see Masters of the Universe. Perfect movie to rip on. Mm-hmm. I saw Star Trek V too, that was really fun to see. Yeah, you've yeah. gotta be, 
bad enough, cheesy enough that you can really have a good overlay of comedians. Yeah, cause the only the only other time I saw them kind of bomb with that with was when they did Night of the Living Dead, which is also like Predator, based a lot on suspense and atmosphere, and is a classic film. And is a classic film, and that was a complete disaster too. So, um, you know, I don't know. So why don't we just give our final thoughts on Predator, uh, Mark? Great movie. Um, I'm so glad I saw this again. I was surprised I actually remembered a lot of it, and it has been quite some time since I saw it, and honestly, it is just as good now as it was when I first saw it as a teenager. Tony? Yeah, I mean, what else is there to say? Uh, you know, I think the the discussion that we've had here today is indicative of the quality of the movie. It's um, a movie that uh, really stands the test of time. In my, in my mind, it is one of the, if, the, if not the best uh, sci-fi action films of all time, and certainly one of the best Schwarzenegger films of all time. Yeah, I think it's just a fantastic movie, and it's really a masterclass in direction, in, you know, just taking the audience on a journey, almost silent film-like. You know, like, you can compare a lot of the, the success of this movie to what uh, George Miller used when he made Mad Max Fury Road. Um, that movie is more spectacle-based, but it's that same trust the audience to fill in the blanks themselves, create characters that you can kind of sense the inner life in without being told, well, so-and-so, you know, he had a saw, he had a daughter that he separated from, or all the needless drama that could have been added. You mm -hmm. get to just read into the characters yourself and make up your own kind of backstory. And I think it's just as rich as Mad Max Fury Road, and I think it's a movie that, I think when you look at Arnold's movies, it's probably going to hold up the best of, among the among the best of the bunch. I agree, yeah. Because even though I love, say, like Terminator, like the effects have aged that movie in a way that Predator hasn't been aged. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, thank you for listening. Uh, you can uh, send any thoughts or feedback you have to arniegeddonpod at gmail.com. Um, and uh, Tony, where can they get hold of you on Twitter? <laughs> oh, I don't have a Twitter account. I don't, I don't believe in the tweets. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, you can come to our website, arniegeddon.com. You can reach me, uh, Tony G, at arniegeddon.com. Mark? Hi. Uh, don't contact me. But my name is Mark. It's been a joy to be here. <laughs> okay. We'll be back with Cactus Jack slash the villain? Yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. <laughs> Perfect follow-up to Predator. <laughs> yeah. Okay, see you next time.